Thank you for tuning in to GV Talks, a podcast where I speak to locals about what's going on in the community. All people, whether successful or struggling, make our community what it is. GV Talks highlights those making a difference. Tune in every Thursday for a new episode. The podcast is proudly sponsored by Origin Athletics, a local 24-7 gym dedicated to getting you fit and healthy. Mention that you heard about the club from the podcast and pay no joining fee. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Tani, thank you for joining me on GV Talks. Thank you for having me. I am very honoured to be sitting in this amazing space, so thank you. <laughs> um, I love when people are excited to come on. Some people come in, they're super nervous, and they just think, I want to do this because it's going to get me out of my comfort zone. But like, then some other people come in and like, I'm ready to speak my story. And that's what I'm, that's the vibe I'm getting off oh, you right yeah. now. I am not worried at all. This is just like a normal conversation. It's, it's, I don't know if it's very interesting for anyone, but I'll just have a chat. It's not, yeah, I'm not worried at all. Yeah. See, I was having to think about this the other day and people, some people tend to get real deep real fast. Yeah. And I don't think it's just because they, I think they think they're not having a conversation with me. I think they're thinking they're having a conversation with the whole of Shepparton. Yeah. And it sounds like, it, it's obvious though. When they, when it doesn't sound like a conversation, you're like, oh, they're trying to, you know, script it and, and give it to everybody. But it's like, just have a conversation and see what happens. Yeah, definitely. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to this morning? Today is a big work day. So I have been at work. I held 12 patients today and um, just go back to back to back quick little lunch break and um and then i've got my groceries from finer fruits next door where i work it's handy if anything and i'll head home and put a slow cooker on for tomorrow yeah great anything interesting planned for the weekend oh i've got friends coming from melbourne so i'm so excited so excited they're from um, my osteo one of my osteo friends she's coming to visit um us in our new house and very first house guests in our new house so i'm so excited i've got flowers and this and that (laughs) so i think it looks nice but yeah. Did you build or? We just bought. So yeah, bought a lovely house that someone has put a lot of effort into. So it's lovely. Yeah. yeah. Didn't didn't have the urge to renovate yourself? Oh, we did that already. Done that. Been there. Done that. That's enough. How was that experience? Oh well, I was away. I was living in Melbourne for a little bit of it, so I didn't have to do the jackhammering of tiles and painting of walls too much. I was I was just um, there for the fun parts, I guess, when the painting happens at the end and bit of cleaning and ready to go but yeah ryan did a lot more than me so he did a very good job you got the good end of the deal got a very good end of the deal <laughs> all right before we get too deep into it do you want to let the shepherd and people know who they're listening to yeah of course so my name's tani um i'm 30 now so that feel, makes me feel really old saying three zero um i'm an osteopath um with my own business in shepherd which has um been amazing to have um and i just love just talking to people um having a good time um i don't like to sort of when people say who are you it's like well i'm not just an osteo like it's not that's not all i am like you know when you sort of say to someone what do you do and and that defines them it's like well you've got more to you than just um what your job is you know so i don't try not to lead with i'm an osteo but it's hard not to isn't it it's very hard yeah weird it's a weird thing what characteristics would you say define you oh it's a tough one isn't it um oh highly organized i'm like type a personality so super organized obsessively neat and tidy and ordered quite structured um sort of person but then I'm, I've got that empathy for people I guess that's in the healthcare field like you don't go into these jobs um dealing with people if you don't have any care or compassion to give so yeah I think I'm a bit of an empath and just like to help people hmm. do you find it hard to have empathy for people when you don't agree with what they're doing <laughs> Uh, and that probably comes from you with the gym world as well. Like you think, what are you doing? You're not doing what I told you to do. Um, <laughs> I I can, I can sometimes. I had to get past uh, the word fix you. I can't fix people. There is no fix. Um, and that took me a long time. Like I just wanted to fix everyone. I'm an osteo. I can fix people. I can fix your pain. And that sort of narrative gets stuck in their head, my head. And you have to just do so much work to get rid of that because pain or someone's uh, story you can't fix that no one can fix that but themselves so i'm really just like a uh, 
a helping hand to sort of steer in the right direction and give the right advice and give the right tools for them to maybe optimize their pain optimize their life optimize their recovery but at the end of the day whatever they do outside of the 30 minutes that I see them that's up to them and I think I had to let go of that and that's taken me I've been out for six and a half years now it's taken me probably four to really go oh it's not my job to fix you yeah yeah and that's hard yeah, so the change only happens from within. Yeah, 100%. Not, not, nothing external is going to do it for yeah, you. Yeah, coming to me every week for half an hour is not going to do it. But, it'll but help. the more you can, yeah. yeah, it'll help, it'll help. The more you can take on little pieces of advice every time they see me or every time we chat, the more you maybe make a difference in their lives. And that's the powerful thing. It's not what I'm doing with my hands. Yeah, it might be okay. You know, I might have a little bit of clinical ability and skill, which I hope I do, but... Um, but yeah, it's more empowering someone to be the best they can be. But um, without that pressure on me to fix them or on, yeah, it's it's funny one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Are you a shepherd and local? I am. I was born in Melbourne actually, and I moved here when I was two. So I, I basically am um, shepherd and raised. I was here through all primary school and high school um, until I moved to Melbourne for uni. Yeah. Mm. How do you feel about shepherd? I actually love Shep. I, I really do. Um, I, I didn't. I think most 18-year-olds leaving Shep, you just want to get out and you're not coming back. Um, and I definitely did that. I was out for five years, went to Adelaide for a couple of years, but I came back. And, you know, my family's here, my mum and dad, my brother. Um, it, it, it's familiar. It's, like, homely. I love that you can go down to the local cafe and you will know somebody you get you know have a five-minute conversation see that person say hi and you feel like you're part of like a little community and I'm not sure if that's I'm not sure if that's changed in the last few years in in the faith and the fact that I've had business now and you your wider community is 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 different to just your, your group of friends so you know you meet all these people along the way and you get to say hi at the coffee shop or at the cafes or the supermarket or and that's the one thing i wanted to move away from shepherd and for i was like i'm sick of seeing people everywhere i just want to go away and go to the supermarket and not be seen yeah. whereas now i quite like the familiarity of people yeah it's nice yeah as you get more mature you realize yeah. that connection is unreal and not a burden 100 percent. like it feels oh. sometimes when you're growing up yeah. and you're confused and yes 100 percent. i, I want to have friends come they say oh tani you know everybody when you go down the street and i was like well i don't know everybody but it's just that small town you do get to know a, a wider little network of people and it's it's sort of nice it's sort of you know not alone you're not going to be alone ever because someone's always going to sort of smile and say hi you know, yeah. which is nice. Yeah. So that's probably the biggest thing I love about it. And I think Shep's got the best um, events and things. Like there's always something at the lake or um, there's a sporting event or there's a little market or, the you know, the pop-up um, winter sessions and secret garden gigs. You know, that's amazing. I don't know if anyone in any other town has that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so I had someone sign up at the gym just recently. Like, what did, what's there to do in Shep? It seems really boring. If you look... There's, There's plenty of stuff 100%. to do. Yeah. It's not like, I don't think it's as obvious as some of the other towns. No, like there's not a beach, obviously. Yeah. Like if, if you want to go to the beach, maybe go for a bit of a drive. But, you know, it's proximity to everywhere. It's proximity to the river, the beach, the snow, the mountains. The, the city. City, yeah. yeah. So there's a few, there's a lot of things to love. What did you find out about yourself when you moved away from Shepparton? Ah. Oh. I found I was homesick. <laughs> I found I was... Uh, but five years is a long time to be away from home. I was away from home for five years, yeah. I moved... I actually had a year off after year 12. Um, I had a gap year, um, which I, I think I needed. I needed to just have that year of taking pressure off because I was quite studious and, and really wanted to achieve. And I thought, right, a year is going to be great just to step back, especially if I'm going to a five-year course. So I stepped back from it um, and was ready to go to uni. I thought I was ready to go to uni. And so I moved down to Melbourne and I moved onto campus at La Trobe, Bandura. So I'm not sure a lot of Shepparton people do go there. Um, and I was hysterical, absolutely hysterical. I, I think I lost uh, five kilos in two weeks. I was just vomiting all day. I thought there was something wrong with me. We yeah. were going to every doctor, no, nothing, no one could figure it out. And then someone said to me, maybe it's anxiety. I was like, I don't have anxiety. I'm like high performing. I'm, I'm here for a reason. I'm studying this course. 
and turned out it, it, it was a mild, well, it was more than mild at the time, but I was just making myself sick over it, making myself absolutely sick. And I'd shut myself in my dorm room and, you know, a college dorm, it's pretty intense. It's If you've ever gone to uni and lived on college, it's intense. They're waking you up at 4 a.m. to march you around corridors in O-Week and they're, they're drinking every night at the pub. And I was there to learn. I was there to go, I am going to be the best osteo I can be. I can't be drinking every night. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was horrible. It absolutely was horrible. And I, I'd spend my minimum four nights there. And I'd drive back to Shep and then I'd cry all the way back to Melbourne, all the way back. And then on a Monday morning at uni, my poor friends, I don't know how they're still friends with me. <laughs> I just would cry. I'd sit in the library and I'd cry <laughs> and I'd just be devastated. And this went on for six months. And six month mark, I finally started to get a little bit more comfortable with the people I was around. And then the year sort of passed and I got out of that college situation and into a house with um, some girls that I had met so there wasn't you know it wasn't all bad it was a silver lining that I met people to to move in with and and that was it and that was the start of then me thriving in Melbourne so it was just that first year but I think um I think there's a lot of people that uh, might battle with moving away and I could have come home my mum said to me move home and I said no I can't because I'm I'm just going to go back to my old job and I was working at a jeweler's and it was amazing but that's not what I wanted for my life. I, I wanted to study. I wanted to do certain things. And I had to push through oh, that feeling of sick, just sick. Yeah, I remember I heard a story once and um, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it. I'm going to get it wrong. But um, <laughs> let's say somebody went and signed up for the basketball team mm. and they got cut. Uh, their, their coach was really hard on them. Mm. Uh, and then they didn't grow up to be the best basketball player in the world. Um, maybe that coach shouldn't have been as hard on the kid as he was. But if you truly believed you were going to be the best osteo mm. or basketball player, you wouldn't let that tough time deter you from making it to your end goal. Yeah. You know, like there's the example Absolutely. that you just said, and that did happen to Michael Jordan. Oh, my God. Do you mean? Like he was cut yes. from the... Yes. The high school basketball team, but he didn't let that deter him. Yeah. What, did you use any like um, strategies to, to deal with the anxiety? Um, I got onto peppermint. So peppermint tea was my best friend. Peppermint yeah. tea, peppermint oils. Um, the biggest thing was controlling the environment as much as I could. So that was hard though yeah. because I the, the control of the environment was hard in a uni situation um so i'd i yeah i probably didn't cope with it as as i would now or as i would um give advice to someone now i i think we just pushed through uh, but i did have i was involved in calisthenics down there so that was the one thing i did sign up for when i went down I, i'd been in calisthenics in the shepherd and community since i was six so it was the one constant i knew and i knew that i was good at i enjoyed and i was safe in that environment so i joined a club and that Wednesday night from six till 10, I was there and it was the saving grace of my week. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. What do you think of that culture at uni? Like the O week and stuff like that? Like yeah. you don't go there to do that sort of stuff, I, but it, it's, yeah. it's forced upon you. It's it seems. super forced upon you. I had to lock myself in my room. There was a, a scavenger hunt of some description and, and I'd got word that there were things like you had to go skinny dipping in the Yarra in the city and you had to jump on a random person's back in the city and these were all things you had to, had to do, just had to do. And someone said to me, Tani, you don't have to do anything. You're 19 years old. You don't have to You don't have to be forced to do any of those things. But that's the culture and it's it's so wrong, so wrong. Like, yeah. oh, I, I have friends that thrived in it, but it was not for me. And it's not for everyone. And I think that that really bullying um, nature of it is just so wrong. And the other thing was, you know, you'd go to all these nights in a row, you know, week, and you'd, you'd go, you'd meet all these people, and you'd have a good conversation with them. And I'd see them the next night, and I'd be like, hello. And they wouldn't remember me because they were blind drunk. Yeah. And I'd just think, oh, my God, I'm starting again. I'm not making any friends. And, it, yeah, but you, to make friends, you sort of had to be in that sort of pub drinking scene. It's, yeah, it's definitely a culture that needs to change. Yeah. You said you've kept some of your friends from uni. Yes. I have um, a group of six of us went to uni all the way through. Yeah. From zero to five years. And it was a really tough course. Osteo was, um, I think it was 25 contact hours a week. Um, 
which is, is quite a lot. I think like teaching might be about 10. Don't yeah. quote me on that. But so we had 25 contact hours where we had to be there. And it wasn't like you could just do your online lecture. You just had to be there. And um, so we spent a lot of time together. And, you know, Austria is a hands-on job. So it's a hands-on course. You know, that first day was um, finding everyone's bones and shirts off and leg, you know, everything just bare. So, you know, we got to know each other pretty well, pretty quick. But um, without those six girls um, that I was super close with, oh, we wouldn't have got through. We wouldn't have got through at all. So it was it was a big course, but it was um, it was worthwhile. Is it, is it still five years for osteo? I believe it's changed now. I did a bachelor and then a master's, so three bachelor and two masters. It used to be that, and there'd be fifty people in the cohort. Um, and now I believe it's a double undergraduate, which allows the uni to take on more because mm. they don't have to pay for the master's spots. So I think there's like 150 kids and it's um, four and a half years, but don't quote me on that one. Yeah. yeah. But it used to be a full interview process, interview, ATAR score, and it started with 50. I think we ended with 40 because it was so hard. People dropped out. Yeah. Mm. Did you start working after you got your bachelor? No, you can't. You, you, you can't. have to do your master's. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so your bachelor's useless to you, basically. It's just a formality to get to your master's yeah. to then finish, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, for people who don't know, can you describe what an osteo does? Yeah, um, we get this question a lot. Osteo is a, a form of manual hands-on healthcare, I suppose. it's a, We're primary healthcare practitioners in terms of... Um, we are trained um, to do medical examinations and neurological examinations to identify if someone has something um, more sinister or more significant that needs further investigation. So we would refer them off to their GP. Um, but um, manual healthcare, I suppose like chiros, like physios, we're there to um, help to alleviate pain or treat injuries. And um, we, do, we do that differently. Chiros do a lot um, in terms of alignment of the spine and the nerves that occur uh, coming off the spine. But the physios are, are very good at their rehabilitation, um, their injury control and prevention and um, treatment. Uh, osteos are very broad. Um, we look at the body as a whole, like, you know, the mind, the body, the um, connection with all of that and uh, the circulation, the mechanics, the lymphatic system so we're a little bit different in the way we look at it all but we all we all ultimately try to get to the same end point for everyone it's just yeah. a different way of getting there yeah so so what problems would you see when you say you look at their mind yeah so we i i probably maybe a, a little bit different i try to take um in the whole patient and if they're coming to me with back pain that never had been an issue before and you sort of think, oh, it's really acute. What's going on in their life? And and you might ask, is it you know, is there any other extra stresses at the moment? Because you, we know that that pain presents itself sometimes when there's emotional stress or there's psychological stress. Um, you know, for example, the shoulder is often where people carry emotional baggage. The lungs and the chest is grief. Um, the hips is anger. So there's a lot of emotions attached to the physical body, and um, we just need to be aware of aware of that and. And just to know that it could be a factor in someone's pain or injury, maybe not improving. Mm. I just keep that in the back of my head. I don't go in there straight away and say, what's your issues? You know, that's for a psychologist or a trained professional in that world. Um, but, but we can definitely try and give them tips to manage overall stress and anxiety because that's going to come out physically. I mean, as I know, with my <laughs> vomiting at uni, you know, it was a physical symptom that there was nothing wrong with me physically. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. What about circulation? How do you treat that? So we, we look at um, look at the venous and arterial supply. We look at um, where perhaps they've got some blockage or some restriction. Maybe it's from a muscle that's affecting blood flow to a certain area. Maybe they've got lymphatic um, issues. Maybe they've had a cancer. That's what I'm working on now, that um, post-mastectomy um, from breast cancer when they've had a heap of lymph nodes removed from their arm mm. they can end up with lymphedema which is a swelling and a fluid accumulation in the arm because the lymph nodes have had some damage so we look at all right well what can we do to optimize the flow so that this arm doesn't continue to swell um so we look at where the points in the body are that are lymphatic um, drainage points and we do manual work on that or we give them other advice and uh, exercise prescription for that specific condition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my grandmother had lymphatic fluid in her legs. Did and she? Um, 
they said all they needed, all she needed to do to get rid of it was to walk, but she yeah. couldn't. She had a broken hip. Oh no. And they couldn't replace her hip because she had a weak heart. Oh no. Um, and this is what I see every day. This is people with so many things going wrong. Yeah. It's not just as easy as go and walk, is it? <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you think like um like let's say somebody's got a sore shoulder or back, what I think people tend to do is want to stop using it, mm. stop moving. Mm. But a lot of these injuries would benefit from moving. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the most common misconception is that you hurt your back, you just lay on the couch, right? No, wrong, 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 wrong. You know, yes, there might be times you need to have rest, but there's always something that you can be doing to to keep blood flow to the area for healing, you know? Um so I think there's always something you can do. There's and you, to move is the most important thing. Safely. Yeah. Would yeah. would you say what what area of the body do you treat the most? I do a lot of chronic pain, which is the whole body. So yeah. people with chronic pain syndromes, and that's quite complex um, because they have pain in all different areas for no reason um, that they can be you know identified. Um, so I have a lot of that, and then I have a lot of headaches and neck pain so i do a lot of headache and neck pain patients that's one thing i really love to do um and the rest is just a mixed bag every day honestly you might have a kid um, with shin splints and then you might have an older person with plantar fasciitis and then someone with chronic shoulder injury um chronic back pain postural stuff so much of this postural um decompensation because of the horrific posture we've got at laptops at phones at desks at everywhere so it's just everything. But I do it with a lot of headaches and neck. Yeah. You summarise like what um, a chiro does and mm. a physio does. But like for, for, for like you said, yours is very broad. Like how would I know I was going to the right person? Yeah. I don't think there's a right person. I think you've just got to find the right person for you. I think um, I send people to chiros and physios all the time. Yeah. I, I refer to all of them. I refer to other osteos. I, I think you need to know as a practitioner yourself when to refer off and when you might not be the best for that person. And that's a big thing as well because at the start, as I said, you want to fix everyone and you think you can fix everyone, but you can't. And and if something isn't clicking with you and the patient, get someone else's opinion. And so I don't think there's a, a right or a wrong person. You know, if someone said to me, I've got tennis elbow, who do I go to? I treat tennis elbow, a physio treats tennis elbow, a chiro probably does as well. But we all but just do it differently. Do it differently, yeah. yeah. So yeah. You, you should probably trial... Trial them. Trial every yeah. one of them until yeah. you find which one reveal, which one's relieves the pain. working, yeah. Yeah, because we're all going to have different um, tools in our toolkit to be able to work on those yeah. conditions. And, and what work one, one, one person might have um, work well for them, the next person won't. So, yeah, I think it's just knowing knowing where your limit is and where you know that, okay, I've done as much as I can, this patient should be changing and I need to refer them now. Yeah. When you refer them, like, I don't know if you've had this situation before, but, like, do they respond negatively to that? Like, oh, you didn't fix it. Like, what's going on? No, 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 no. I think that's about communication, though. I think if you've got the right communication from the get-go, people are are going to be grateful. And that's what I – that's the feedback I've got uh, is – is they're grateful I don't string them along for too long because if I'm honest and to the point at the start and I say, look, this condition typically alleviates itself within this amount of time yeah. or this amount of treatments. If I'm not getting any change after three visits to me, that's, let's see, that's it. We're going to have to start investigating. And I don't just drop them like a sack of potatoes. Like you don't just go see a good luck. Yeah. Um, you have to give them some, some paths to go on. And I think they appreciate someone directing them in the right direction um, because it is a pretty big system out there. Do I go to a GP? Do I go to Chinese medicine? Do I do acupuncture, dry needling, podiatry, psychology, <laughs> physio, chiro? You know, yeah. it's huge. And yeah. and I think I really like being able to say, right, well, we're going to try this and then come back to me. And if that hasn't sort of settled, let me know. We'll go through a different path for you and we'll try and figure it out. Might not be me figuring out, but I'll figure out how to help them. Yeah, of course, yeah. it's great. Yeah. It's a, it's obviously that that's the way it should be. Yeah. Would you say that most people are like that? I'd like to hope so. I'd like to hope so. Yeah. Yeah. The other criticism I hear about the industries that we're talking about is that it 
it feels like the treatment's never going to stop. Yeah. I'll see you next week. Yeah. I'll see you next week. Yeah. And I, I, I've, I think the people who say that are, they don't, they don't see the full picture. Yes, 100%. Um, you've got to understand, though, if, the, if someone's coming to you with, like, a 20-year history of headaches, I'm sorry, it's not going away in six months. Like, it's going to take a little while of implementing change in their life and a little while of maybe some manual treatment trying to at the end goal get them to self-manage but yeah again communication communication is key and if yeah if if that person um believes that it's going to be fixed in three visits or one visit you know that's wrong yeah yeah i've seen the same thing um with posture with clients who come to the the club and it's just like it's really bad yeah it's like it's going to take a very long time to reverse to reverse yeah. it because like how how long have you oh. not dealt not dealt with this problem like yeah. 10 years yeah. 20 years and this is what i'm saying to the kids i'm seeing now because this whole you know technology era has uh, you know arrived upon us um they're not even understanding the implications they're going to have in the next 40 years it's you know, we think we're seeing people that are in pain and decrepit now. Well, these teenagers, oh, I don't want to think about how they're going to be. They're already hunched over like little hunchbacks of Notre Dame, just, you yeah. know, over their devices. And it's just uh, scary. So what's some advice you could give to them? Oh, technology-free time. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's keeping your laptop at the right height. You know, it's not looking down at a screen, keeping it at the eye level. You know, the top third of your screen should be in line with your eyes. Um, you know, not jutting that chin forward as you get so more enthralled in your phone or iPad. You know, we end up just jutting our chin forward and, and everything's straining through the back of your neck. And, yeah. yeah. And move. you just got to move. Move. Exercise. Stretch foam roll do something <laughs> um what muscles would you recommend somebody hit at the gym to bring their head back their upper traps yeah so you're looking at all your lat posture so if you can reverse um a lot of that kyphosis that that mid thoracic real bend um then we can get the head more straight so it's probably not so much about what's going on in the neck it's okay. more it's more lower in the chain if we can get you standing up straight your neck should just follow in line you know yeah um obviously i see a lot of people hitting the anterior part of their body mm. how often should somebody work their posterior just as much just as much oh. yeah but but then like so how i look at it is like you hit your anterior in the gym but then there's also all these other things like outside of the gym mm. like the laptop the phone and everything mm. so i feel like you should hit your posterior a little bit more yes to make up for 100%. those just yeah. general living yes postures yes. yeah 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 because we're all so forward of their body and i think that's another thing um with our treatment wise is we as manual therapists need to remember that people have a front yeah they actually have a front they come in complaining about their backs and their necks and their shoulders so you know so often we get them on their stomach for the whole time and work on the back of their body but everything's so tight and contracted at the front you know diaphragm the pecs everything needs opening and releasing yeah. so that that is possible <laughs> Yeah, like um, the, the tightness that a lot of people feel through their back is just their, their chest coming forward and pulling that muscle tight. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. then, of course, you're burning pain through the back of your shoulder blades because they're on stretch that whole time. And yeah. then someone goes to lift something, ping, there goes their back or their neck and they come into us in that state. And that's when you have to do the education and go back to what, what was the actual cause. It wasn't lifting the shopping bag. Yeah, you, know, you can't avoid that for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, lifting the the laptop up, that's a great one, and that's it's the one fine. I've only ever heard of recently. I do I do actually have a a stand. A stand. Yes. Um, I don't usually keep my laptop here. I usually have it in the other room. Yeah. Um, what about? Do you have any other tips like that for tips people? Tips like that. Um, the the height is huge, and like people that are at desks and things like that. I think that they've heard that old rule of you know get up every hour. I think there's one now that's like sit for forty. Um, stand for 15 and then move for five now yeah. so that's that 60 minute block so that's a really good one um, but I think if you can keep some general strength if someone can do strength and conditioning or some sort of strengthening twice a week I think it makes a huge difference to their pain yeah yeah and it doesn't have to be heavy it just has to be get in do some resistance work and that's got your postural muscles activated and that's going to protect you throughout 
the week of what you're whatever you're doing yeah. Yeah. Another one that I've read about and I've actually purchased myself is I've got like a hip pillow oh, that I attach you? to yes. my leg and my hips, they don't lay on each other. Yes. They stay slightly apart. So it's between apart. your knees. Yeah. Yes. A lot. I do a lot, give that up to a lot of people, that advice. Um, and you sleep on your side with it. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, I, really I, I, I do feel a lot more comfortable. Mm. When, you're not like, rotating sleeping. all night. Yeah, perfect. But I kind of feel like I'm a bit of a superman. Like I've never had any real... Like really issues. issues, yeah. It's good. Yeah, it's good for now. <laughs> so keep doing what you're doing, then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, just keep going with it. If you, I, I had a flick through your page, mm. obviously before you came in, and like a lot of your clients, obviously really appreciate what you do. Aww, um, <laughs> Most yeah, of the time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, if you can get someone out of pain, you've made a huge difference. Yeah, you've changed their life. Hundred percent. Yeah, which can, is so. I'm so lucky to be in that job. Yeah. Yeah. Was that kind of, did you think about that when you wanted to be an osteo? Like, um, I thought about being an osteo because my mum was a nurse and she just seemed to know everything when we were growing up, like what to do with what illnesses and injuries or whatever, um, what medication and what this and what treatment. And I was like, I need to know that if I'm going to have kids, I need to have that knowledge. Yeah. Um, and I, I really probably, uh, wanted to do medicine and, I didn't get 99.9 and I wasn't going straight into medicine. There were pathways to do it, but I thought, oh, osteo, that's a good job and private practice, I could have my own hours, you know. Um, the lifestyle appealed to me more than um, a medical doctor would because that's a hard gig. That's a really hard gig. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just wanted to do something that A, would be with people, B, would be with healthcare, um, but see that would help help someone or make a difference and that's all you can ask for really make a difference somehow yeah and, and that's what you feel like you've achieved in hindsight i think so i think so um make a difference is is uh, is a big one and i think that i am lucky to to have people that do thank me for making a difference on a daily basis and that's lovely that's so humbling and it's so lovely to be involved in their story even though, as I said, it's not me doing the work. It's just me giving them some advice and some tools and some help along the way. Um, but there's a lot of other things you can make a difference in people's life. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I'm just a tradie. I don't do anything useful for people. Well, you do. You change their life. You put that bench at that height so that they can, you know, sit up and sew all night. I don't know, something, you know. There's always something that is in everyone's job that can help people if you find hundred percent. Yeah. People need to meditate on what they're actually doing. Not just yeah. it's not as simple as what you do. Yeah. There's things are more complex than people realise. How you make them feel. Yeah, and like, yeah. like you affect people's lives as well, mm. and like the way that you just even say hello to your clients oh. can completely change yeah. their day. Hundred percent. It often makes them cry. I'll say, hello, how are you going? And then the waterworks come on and it's just someone listening to them, a non-biased, non-emotional, you know, person. Yeah. That just will listen to them for five minutes. Yeah. Can you think of uh, any one client that maybe you've treated that you can talk about, mm. you know, for mentioning names that has really appreciated what you've done or that you know for oh. a fact you've changed their life? There was, um, oh, oh, this is, that's a hard one. Um, really hard one. I remember a, a lovely, lovely patient came in. She was, oh, I reckon she was 82 on a walker and um, could not walk without it, could not walk. And she'd been to the doctor and, you know, it was just painkillers and medications and, and nothing was getting better. And I think I saw her twice. Like it was just a really contracted hypertonic spasticity sort of inner muscle in her hip and um we did some work on it i think yeah it must have been two treatments and she hasn't used a walker since and she's 85 like of 84 i've seen her for four years on and off you know when she needs me she's like i still remember that day i came into you with my walker and i could not stand up straight <laughs> and now she walks even without a walking stick yeah and you think yeah it is not fair to say that someone's old so bad luck you're on a walker that's not an okay just assumption it's not fair to just give, put them in the bundle of oh you're old oh it's arthritis no have a go let's see what we can do with it and yeah it might be that there's a lot of degeneration there and they need that walker it might be 100 percent that case but have a go they're still people why don't um why don't the doctors refer 
more? Um, I think they refer to physios a lot. And I do have a lot of um, medical doctors that do refer to me now. But um, I think there's also a misconception about what osteos can do for a patient as well. Like I think um, it's just unknown. It's an unknown. They're, they're much more aware of what physios can do. So that's always really good. That at least they're referring somewhere to allied health. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. How have you found running your business locally? Oh, so lucky. I'm so, so lucky. I I started off, I think my first week was five years ago and it was 20 people in my first week. And I thought that was just amazing. I was like, where did all these people come from? And I really don't think they all needed treatment. I think they were just coming to support me because it was my first week. Um, so that was so lovely. And by the end of the six months, um, I was seeing 30 a week. And then by the end of the first 12 months, I was up to my 60 a week. And it was it was insane. I was working ridiculous hours and um, and just being really tired. I did that for three years, pretty hardcore. And the last two, I've really backed off and found a number per week that I'm able to do physically, mentally, um, because I don't want to break down either. You know, it's a manual job. I, I need to keep my body for as long as I can. Yeah. So it's been so lovely though. The support is insane. Like, you know, you end up treating a whole family. You have the mum, the dad, the uncle, the sister-in-law, the grandmother, because they all talk and say, oh, Tani helped me with this. Why don't you ask her if she can help you with that? And and they trust you, I suppose. They trust you and your opinion. Uh, so I've been so lucky to, to get to know so many families. Yeah, or whole workplaces, like a whole workplace comes to me <laughs> or a whole group of people from that family. Yeah, it's so, it's so lovely. So I'm very lucky. I think if I wasn't in Shepparton, I'd, I don't think I would have had... Um, the growth as quickly yeah. um, or even if at all I don't know I, I'm not sure um, yeah. you went straight into running your own business or you worked as an osteo somewhere else first. worked first um, worked in Adelaide at um, the biggest clinic over there actually Southside Osteo and, and that that was an amazing amazing job and we moved there for that job it was incredible I saw I think my first day as a new graduate out was um, 25 people that week and I didn't know what to do with them. I was just like, what do I do with this? My friends were seeing three people a week in Melbourne because Mm. it's so saturated there. So um, I hit the ground running and I was um, mentored incredibly well every week, you know, a one-on-one session and that continued for two years mentoring. So it was so good. And I think to hit the ground running so quickly – you know, you get that experience up that you can't buy. You can't buy experience. Yeah. So you just have to keep going. And and my boss was incredible. She was um, such a high achiever as well. But she'd say, have a go at this. If you can't do this technique or whatever it is, come and knock my door. I'll come and fix it while they're here so you don't feel like you're sending someone out the door. Not quite right. Yeah. So amazing. Amazing. Was she your mentor or was yeah. that someone separate? Yeah, so same, same person. Um. Oh, there's a lot of mentors in the osteo world, but she was really, she was my boss and mentor. Yeah, yeah. she was great. Yeah. Did you feel comfortable doing that? Because like, let's say I'm coaching and I see another coach do something wrong. I would never go up and tell them in front of their client. No, she was very tactful. Okay. Yeah, very tactful. She'd say, oh, this is a little bit stuck. You need a little bit more of my force because she was a lot taller and longer and, and she'd, she'd word it in that way. Yeah. Yeah, she would never undermine us ever. Ever. so it was very helpful yeah and she um she had a lot of confidence in us which gave us confidence in yeah. ourselves you know if someone's got confidence in you they think you're, you're gonna be fine it's yeah. fine yeah. yeah yeah that's so important i reckon yeah um and like it's, it's so hard when you very first start, like you've done the study like like you should know what you're doing yeah, right? <laughs> like you're you've got good posture do you know what i mean like you've looked after yourself mm-hmm. like you should feel confident to do it, but you really need that person above you to yeah. believe in you yeah. before you can believe in yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's with any job, though. Like, yeah. you just need that mentor or that support person. And I think um, moving over to Adelaide, I was actually on a scholarship program with this um, with Southside Osteria. So that was my three last three years of uni, third, fourth, and fifth year. Um, she had a scholarship program set up. So we went there every year for a week, and we had a student week, and we We'd treat some patients with supervision and we'd do um, some workshops and we'd we'd get to know the staff. So by the time I actually moved there, 
I knew the place inside out, so yeah. it was comfortable. Um, and at uni, at an osteo at uni, we had to see 250, I believe, 250 student uh, patients in our student clinic. Yeah. So we had done it over and over again. It was just now there were people paying you a lot of money to, to get it right. <laughs> Pressure. Yeah. Is, uh, is Shepparton saturated in osteos? No. No. They could, I think there could be a, another 10. Like, we are just all so busy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you said you've got the perfect amount of clients now. Mm, I, yeah. I see, I see 45 to 50 a week now. So that's a five-day week. Um, so I try not to see more than 10 a day. Yeah. Um, I believe I, I went more into autopilot mode when I was doing that. And I wasn't really um, looking at the patient as a patient. I was looking at it as just another person in the door. Yeah. Um, so 10 a day is good for my body. Um, it's good for them. Um, and I've found that I've got too long a wait to be able to take on new patients now. So I, I unfortunately can't, um, because I can't have my, all my existing base, not be able to get to me, um, when they need me at yeah. certain points. So I've, I've cut my books off to new patients, except for lymphedema. Cause that's where I'm going into that lymphedema world. Um, so I see new patients for that, obviously. Um, but I, I find it really hard saying no to new patients because, you know, everyone just wants some help or some advice. And and um, that's really tough to, to have that conversation on the phone with them. But I've got fantastic people that I refer to, yeah. other osteos in town. I refer to all of them and I've got a relationship with all of them. You know, we have conversations, we have coffees, we have catch-ups, you know. It's, it's great. And I think if you're competitive with your own colleagues that's not always a good thing yeah 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 i've i'm friends with another osteo in town and i had that conversation with him the other day he mm. said somebody comes in in pain and you're too full to treat them it's so hard like what do you do like this person's in pain they need to be seen by someone like, do you know what I mean? yeah send them down the road yeah yeah but yeah. like if like and this person's quite busy as well do you know what i mean like like you said there's probably room for a couple more mm. osteos Absolutely. in town by the sounds of yeah. it yeah yeah yeah, but it's just about, yeah, they need to be seen. They need to be seen this week. So, you know, it's not all about me, 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 and me getting the glory. It's, it's not a glory no. thing. It's, it's um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting, interesting thing. But I'm very lucky to have settled at that number that I'm happy with and that I'm comfortable with. And you still always feel guilty that, you know, you're not seeing enough or you're not helping enough people or, you know, you're not at work enough. But, um I'm happy with it and it doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks because, you know, work comes second to my life. Yeah. And that's always how it should be for everybody, you know. Was there a stage where that wasn't the case? I think oh, like yeah. when you're on the very start of the journey, you kind of, yeah. you give a bit of yourself away. Oh, 100%. 100%. And then you learn that tough lesson oh, in one way or another. Super and... tough. You get injured, you have burnout. I, I probably uh, got close to that last year. Um because COVID made us busier for some strange reason. Um, everyone was at home and I guess becoming active and weekend warriors and going for runs and yeah. and um, that, made, that made us busy. But yeah, it was probably mid last year that I sort of went, oh, I've got to stop and, and have a holiday or have a break. I think it'd been 14 months without a break as such. You know, a, f- a long weekend here and there, but not a full break. Yeah, um, yeah so I, I know not to do that now. I know that I just, you know, I allocate one day a month completely off and I might do appointments on that day or I might do book work, but it's not with patients, yeah. you know, it's, it's off, switched off. Yeah. So it's just putting in place things that work for you. Not everyone might need that though. What, what is your goal moving forward? Goal. I, I'm pretty happy where I am right now. I'm pretty happy just, um, doing a good job of, of the people that I see and, and the business that I run and being proud of that. But I'm, I'm moving into that lymphedema space. So I, I really want to set up a really good system in Shepparton because there is very limited access to lymphedema care. Um, they have to travel everywhere. They have to travel to Bendigo, to Melbourne. And these people are often sick and going through chemo and radiation and they just need somewhere here that, that is good. So I really want to set up um, some sort of like early surveillance for lymphedema and management and maintenance. And um, I'm already linked in with, with the hospital, with the breast care nurses there they're fantastic they refer um, patients to me for that and um, I think in time in the coming months once everything sort of settles um, in my world I will be able to establish that sort of yeah 
early detection and management of lymphedema post-cancer. Yeah, that sounds really important. Mm. So How exciting. exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Good. I just need, some, just need a little bit of time to set it up, but um, that'll come. That'll come. <laughs> just a bit busy at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. We've got the track record of um, pulling the trigger and getting things done yeah, already. So it's going to... Tick the boxes. It's going to happen, obviously. <laughs> It'll happen. Um, what goals do you have outside of your career? Oh, gosh. Goals... Um, I'm really funny with goals. I'm not someone that sits down and writes goals and five-year, ten-year plans because if they don't happen, it's going to send me into a spiral of like, what you just failed, you know, you just failed, you didn't achieve that. And part of me felt that last year we had a seven-week holiday booked to Europe and I am the sort of person that uh, throughout uni, every holiday break, I'd go home and I'd work. All my friends would be going around you know the world yeah. um and spending what little money they had but i'd come <laughs> home and i'd work and then i set up my business and i just work 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 waiting for this trip and then the trip got cancelled didn't it you know covid happened and and this trip got cancelled and you know that was a goal of mine to get overseas and to do a lot of things um and see a lot of things over there that i wanted to see before maybe having a family or doing that later down the track and i think that is exactly the reason i don't have goals um, laid out so structured because that really threw me I thought oh my god I'm not going to get overseas I'm 30 now I'm running out of time you know it, it was just horrible to think oh my gosh I've wasted all this time just working um, so goals wise I don't know I just I just want to continue just having a really good work-life balance enjoying my life when I'm not at work you know staying active staying fit I do calisthenics so I've done that since I was six and I'm a coach um, as well so I've been so involved but I've got back out of retirement this year turning 31 and getting out of retirement so trying to get my legs up in the air as high as the 16 year old girls can it's it's hard but it's it's I guess that's a goal you know it's a goal to get back on stage and and perform um, as a dancer again and it's fun because I've been in a coach role for so long I've retired at 24 yeah what, what why why did you want to get back why? into it you know what it's the one thing that I can do um, that totally obliterates my mind of any other thought like yeah. you cannot think about anything else but exactly what you're doing and um, the music and the movement of everything you know at that time, it just it sparks joy, and I'm not sure if again that's a familiarity thing for me because it's been part of my life forever. So yeah, I just was I was looking back at some things over the the last twelve months, thinking, what is it that I love to do? Like, love actually moving to music. So you know what? Just go back. You're not too old. I'm not too old to do this. And there's a great group we've got. We've got fifteen girls, and half are sort of, you know, twenty eight to thirty for and half of the 16 to 21 year olds and we're all in the same age group because they just put you in a big bundle when you're over 18 um and it's great because you know they're learning from us i'm trying to keep up with them it's 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 really good so i'm co-coaching um with one of my really good friends stacy and and we're both back on the horse i suppose yeah (laughs) um it's but it's so great it's you know why why should you stop something because you're too old yeah footballers still play at 40 you know why can't we still dance at 30 (laughs) Yeah, and it's not. It's not. It's about your enjoyment as well. Like it's it's tough when you, it's a competitive sport because yeah. you think you got to be the best in the world to go do it, but you don't. Yeah, it's got to. If you want to compete, compete Let's and go have do fun. It. Yeah. yeah, and I'm a competitive person, so I love getting back on um, the competitive stage. It's great. I love it. Um, apart from calisthenics, though, I don't know. I'd love to do a marathon one day. Um, my fiance Ryan just did one in December, and he's very disciplined person and very very. Um, structured and rigid with his training and he is um he's very inspiring to be around so one day i think i hopefully will take some of that discipline from him and actually train and get this um full marathon done but um and maybe a little like a little triathlon or something like that i would like to do one day just to say that i've achieved and i've learned something new and 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 put myself out of my comfort zone i think that's all it is and trying new things but not being afraid to fail that's a real um Thing I need to keep in mind is don't be afraid to fail. You know, I might not be good at Ironmans. <laughs> I might not be able to swim. <laughs> um, I can swim, but maybe not in an open lake, you know. So um, there's a few little goals like that, but um, major life goals um, are just to continue to have that good balance and just enjoy every life at light minute and not plan too far into the future. No, it's not for me. Yeah. Um, 
You'll still travel. I will. It's still going to happen, right? Yeah. yeah. It might just look different. Yeah. yeah. No, great. Uh, last question, Tani. Um, who locally inspires you? Oh, gosh. Everybody. I have to probably say my fiancé, Ryan. I think he is um, one of those people, if you knew him, he's very quiet and he's very reserved. Um, he's very disciplined and he's very motivated. Um, he he has this incredible, um, you know, gentle nature, um, but he's very committed to anything he puts his mind to and um, doesn't let anything get in his way of achieving that whatever goal it is. So he um, is really inspiring to be around and we've, we've created such a, um, a lovely life that we have together and we have to share that every day. So, you know, we've grown as people together and that's been so inspiring. So he really inspires me. Um, just to be better every day and be, you know, just try harder and look at the positive things and just just be a good person. Um, locally, though, anyone that inspires me are people that will go out, have a go and not whinge. I just, the, the people around me, if I find, um, come into my circle of people that um, seem to be complaining about something, I just don't have time for that. So anyone that is like, oh, I'm going to do this and this is really positive about Shep or this is really good, I'm going to try this or I'm going to, you know, stick my neck out and open this business, amazing. Good on you. I'll yeah. support you any day of the week. Yeah, but they're the people that inspire me. Locally, anyone that's doing doing that, having a go and staying positive about it. So not actually one person in particular apart from Ryan, but just anyone in that headspace just saying, staying positive and, and um, yeah, because I'm a pretty positive person, so it's pretty hard to get me, A, staying quiet or B, um, frowning. <laughs> so I think um, anyone that can look at the, the positive, the silver lining of anything is my inspiration. Hmm. Yeah. How would you describe complaining because i've got a i've got like a similar sort of outlook on it like i cannot stand people who complain all the time but i've got a kind of a one like a one complaint rule so like this is a silly example but if someone says it's cold you can say that it's fine right but then if you say it five more times in the next five minutes you're just complaining like stop you're annoying me like like if something's wrong you can say it do you know what i mean like we need to talk about it we can talk about it yeah yeah. if you just sit there and harp on about it and don't drop it I, I can't be around you I I, I've got my auntie has this funny thing she says I'm just explaining not complaining <laughs> so there's a difference between explaining and complaining I 100% agree with you in that um, I have a lot of um, people that complain to me all day every day right like they're coming in for a reason yeah. they've got something to complain about um, but it's when I greet someone at the door and I'm like hello how's your day and they just grumble at me or whinge and I just think oh that's good it doesn't let it get to me anymore but those people like if I greet someone and their first thing is just doom and gloom oh god I start zoning out yeah it's just oh stop what, what is an ideal client someone who's enthusiastic someone's and like proactive and like happily will say um what they need to say to explain their pain like yep have a have a little whinge and have a complaint because that's fair um but someone that then will go yep i'm going to do this i realize that you're not the only person i'm going to take control and um and then they ask you about you you know they ask you a question or two and it's 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 not that i want to be asked it's just like oh you remember that i'm a person too yeah and it'll break up your day a little bit i learned so much yeah yeah. learn so much from them yeah so lovely All right, beautiful. I've really enjoyed this chat. Um, Is there anything you want to leave the Shepparton people with? Oh, no, just be positive and be (laughs) smiley. Greet someone with a nice smile. (laughs) I love seeing people down the street that smile at me. I say hello to everybody around the lake, so just smile back at me. (laughs) That's it. Thanks Thanks for having me.